There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Recording. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to Fail Like an Artist with your hosts, Julie Battisti and me, Phoebe Ganza, a podcast discussing all the ways we've failed as artists with insight, advice and humour. Each episode, we will discuss a failure and what we've learned from it. Hello, Julie. How are hey, you today? I'm doing pretty good. I've actually had some you know, reasonable amount of sleep last night and every evening I feel like there's this choice because at about... Seven, eight o'clock, usually my youngest bub will go down for a good stretch of time and I've got to choose between going and doing some painting or going to bed. And usually at the moment, mm. sleep is winning. But last night, I was yeah. feeling a bit flat yesterday and I think I just needed to go and spend some time in the studio and do something for myself. So I did that, had a good night, and then I got a second, oh, a second good stretch of sleep, which was fantastic. And the other thing that I'm thinking about doing at the moment and I've started making the first few steps towards is um, getting a studio assistant. So I don't quite know mm. how what shape that's going to take, but I've started the process of putting, the, putting, yeah, the feelers putting out. some feelers out, thinking about what I actually want them to do, how much time I'll need. And at the moment I'm just thinking it might be an hour or two a week and trying to figure out a bit of a budget for that as well. But that's kind of an exciting thought. And what about you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I I did a bit of painting yesterday on a piece and I feel like I'm at that 80% mark now. Well, that's nice. Which is always, yeah, I got like quite a good chunk done. And yeah, I'm at that like, yeah, nearly climbing towards the top of the mountain, you know. I think when you get to so that much 80% nicer. mark, you can see where it's heading as well. And so I always yeah. feel a bit more um, positive about my work by then. Yeah, I think from that point, I know, like, okay, I can resolve this. Um, whereas when it's like 30%, you just think, I'm trash. This is trash. Yep. <laughs> I should give up. No, that one. Well. Why am I doing this? <laughs> um, so that was good. And then, um, yeah, this morning I have been varnishing some paintings, which is quite apt because that is our topic today. Did you get so us? We're going to talk about varnishing. Did you get us any new material? Any failures? 
no, I was really mindful actually when I was doing it, thinking like just paying attention to my process so that I could talk about it because I have I haven't really thought about it in the past, you know? Like it's I just do it. You I'm just dove straight in. We don't ever do that, you and I. <laughs> and I sometimes it feel like every time it's like oh I sometimes feel like every time I bunch of paying I have a slightly different method. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to sort of dig into this. But yeah, I've definitely got a few failures to share. Uh, have you got a favourite failure that you'd like to talk about? Oh, favourite one? Oh, have, you got a, <laughs> have you got a particularly fond fail that you'd like to recall for us? Yes. Um, just looking through my um, books of wonderful fails here. And um, uh, no, there have been many fails. I was thinking, and I don't know if this is relevant to... The, the fact that we're talking about varnishing but one of the first experiences I had with a kind of finishing a top coat um, was with resin and so yeah I had this commissioned piece of resin artwork and the thing with resin is when it cures you've got to cover it re- um, because like it is sticky for quite a long time before it kind of hardens and goes like them. I've always wondered about that because they say with paintings that you should face them into the wall, but you can't do that with resin. So how do you cover it? Well, yeah, it has to be um, made horizontally. Because yeah, because you kind of pour the 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 um cover the cover. You have to pour the resin on top of the artwork, and it kind of flows to the edge, and you spread it out and whatnot. Um, and I have my had my pieces sort of raised up on like cans of beans and stuff give them a bit of distance from the table and the table covered in like uh, plastic sheeting or whatever and then I would have to prop up I think I, I used, used to use spray paint cans because they were quite tall yeah um so then I'd put like several of those all the way around the piece of resin and then on top of that I would put a piece of flat cardboard and if I was clever I would then cover that with a plastic sheet again wow that's now, quite a process it's quite a process um but at the beginning I thought that the, just the piece of cardboard over the top was enough because you really you know I was thinking well you don't want stuff to sort of fall in it dust and hairs and stuff what I hadn't realized was that flies can fly under the cardboard <laughs> they, they they are you know little creatures all of their own right and they can and when I came in the next day to like take the cardboard lift the cardboard off there was a dead fly kind of slap bang in the middle of oh my, my resin gosh. top coat <laughs> like eh, kind of like a figure from I don't know some sort of movie or something uh, no just it was it was stuck in the resin and and it was dead and I just looked at that and went, oh dear, what are we going to do here? So I had to sort of gouge. The thing with resin is it's, it goes re- it goes hard, but it um, it takes a good couple of days to be properly, properly cured. So if I heated it with a heat gun and that kind of softened it enough that I could then gouge the dead fly out, but of course then you're left with a big hole um, and I had to And a then, very crunchy fly. And a very crunchy fly. Sadly, R.O.P. fly. And then I, I had it happen as well with, with a moth another time. It wasn't the first time. Like, that. Well, it wasn't an isolated experience. Like, it happened again uh, with a moth the next time. And then I so gouged the fly out and then I had to fill that with 
more resin and then when that was cured I had to sand it and then when that was cured again I had to do another top coat and then this time I think I was very careful with the plastic sheeting as well but even with that like I would come back in thinking I'd done a really great job and I'd take all the stuff off and look and then I hold the resin up to the light and then you'd find like a a piece of fluff that I'd got and finished because it's supposed to have this like perfect kind of mirror shine glass finish and only takes one bit of fluff that's so frustrating embedded in it oh my gosh it was so hard and like I even bought a tent a pop-up tent (laughs) and had that in my garage um that was when I was like doing my exhibition and I had like quite a few pieces on the go at the same time but even that, you know, dust would fall and then you'd have to resand and do another top coat. And it, honestly, that was one of the real parts of doing the resin that I hated. That sounds exhausting. Because, yeah. And I spent money on equipment as well to try and get around that by thinking, well, what happens if I don't do, like, don't worry too much about the resin top coat and I just buy a sander and, and do like a, a really fine grit of sand and then a buffer and like, you know, like when you're polishing a car yeah. and you kind of go through the stages right up to like high shine. So I bought all this. Anyway, that didn't work. <laughs> I just, I'm just a, quite a messy person generally and not very good at, uh, like, I think if you're one of those people that's just, you know, like your house looks like clean as a pin the whole time and you're really tidy and you're really organized, maybe that would be easier and better. But I just used to find that, like, more often than not, I'd have to redo the top coat because of failures. Have you got any fails? So my my biggest, like, my biggest varnishing fail, I'd just finished a painting. It had taken me a good three months to finish. I decided stupidly that I would try out a new varnish without trialling at first. So normally I would trial a new varnish on, like, a separate um, I've usually got like a, a painting that I've yeah. declared a dud that I trial things on. Normally I would have trialed it. This time I was like, oh, no, no, I've used this brand before. I'm sure the satin's the same as the gloss. It's not, just FYI. And I decided to I, – I literally spread out a good 10, 20 centimetres of varnish on the painting and saw that it was like clumping together and sticking and wasn't going to dry flat. Anyway, so ran to the studio, got some solvent, came back in, so I always used to varnish in my house on our big table because I didn't have anywhere big enough right. in the studio. Sorry. Hence why there was running. And came back in with the solvent and I rubbed it a little bit too hard to get the varnish off and took the whole top <gasps> layer of the painting off with it. Oh, so this is like no. a one metre by 1.2 metre painting, which was You devast- rubbed the entire thing off? No, just the top layer. So like a lot of the detail. So I sort of work up oh. in levels of detail. Anyway, so that was devastating. I was determined to get this work done for a gallery. So got back to work, probably spent another two, three weeks finishing that painting again, let it Mm -hmm. dry, varnished it again, didn't use the new varnish, went back to my old varnish, thought, nah. Well done. Stuff that, not doing that. That varnish went in the bin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to ask the brand. No, no. I'm going to name and shame. No. (laughs) But if Um, anyone does want to find out, you can DM Julie. (laughs) You know, did all the right things, had my picture facing the wall in the studio, but I had planned to get some work done on the back of the studio. And I know I built it quite well and he just sort of let himself in and didn't tell me that he was coming that day. So I hadn't moved everything off the back wall. Oh no! And in my old studio, I had quite a few plants up on shelves 
Anyway, so he went to hammer some stuff onto the back wall or the back of the studio and a plant fell off and then managed to drop dirt all down the surface of my varnish painting. I I could hear this coming. Yeah. So then in order to get all the dirt off, I needed to get the solvent again. Went through a lot of solvent that week. Had to take the whole... Literally, it took a couple of goes around. I reckon I took more paint off with that second go around than I did the first. Oh, no. <laughs> and then I didn't look at that painting for several months. I was yeah, like, I can't. Oh gosh. It took me a long time to get the energy up to go back and finish it. That painting literally took me, I think, a year to finish in the end. I went back to the gallery and said, look. I'm, it was like the doomed painting. It really was. I did finish it um, and varnish it and, and then yeah. like promptly went, I don't ever want to see you again. <laughs> Thank goodness it wasn't a commission with a deadline or something. I know. That's the only good thing. And it stayed in our house. So I I hung it in our house for quite a while and we got a bit attached to it for a bit there. But I just couldn't bring myself to finish it for months. It took me months to go back. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a bit traumatic to kind of have to do the same thing twice. Yeah. I don't hang plants up high in my studio anymore. No. No. Above paintings. No. Yep. Note to self, don't do that. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah, well, you live and learn. What were your, um, keen to hear your painting ones? A painting sold and I didn't have time to buy the GAC 100. I went to my local, like, workplace where I buy paint and stuff from and they had a different brand of um, a kind of binder medium. Did you um, trial it first? <laughs> um, Julie, I did not trial it first. <laughs> There's some there's some lessons here, folks, that you can uh, learn. <laughs> it's always worth trialing a new product on something that's not the artwork that's so really, really precious that you don't want to ruin. <laughs> Maybe you could try it. And you know, before you ru- <laughs> when you know that that's what you should do, and you just you don't do it. It's so annoying. Like, why am I like this? Yeah. So I didn't try it, and I slap the isolation coat thing all over the paint uh, painting and then I I couldn't work out but it, why this happened but it, it it sort of was quite thick and it made like raised brush strokes and um didn't really know what to do so I thought maybe I could sandpaper those away <laughs> you and the sandpaper mate <laughs> What were you thinking? <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. You know, I, I was panicking. That's what I was doing. I wasn't thinking. I was panicking because <laughs> I went the next day thinking, oh, that, that'll that'll be fine. That was just because it was wet. Um, the answer is no, it wasn't because it was wet. They, they're still there, those brushstrokes. So then I got like a fine, you know, I'm not going in with my heavy grit. I got a really fine. So, oh, my God. And I tried to get rid of them. But no, that just left lots of scratchy marks. <laughs> Funnily enough, that just left... Left lots of scratchy marks, Julie. Um, so then, then I um, then I just thought, oh, uh, it's going to be fine. I'll just. <laughs> Sounds terrible. No, I promise. I've, I'm better now, guys. You can buy paintings from me. Um, anyway, I went in with some varnish, and I had to just do a lot of coats of varnish for the before the brushstrokes kind of disappeared and they eventually did but I think it was like four or five coats of varnish before you could kind of not notice them anymore and I showed my husband and he was like 
couldn't he was like what 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 do you mean like he you know yeah so it was it was me being like ah i think when I think you know something's the- there it's really hard not to see it's it really, yeah 100 percent. that's it yeah you you know that it went wrong and then you're like panicking but no one else is going to open that and immediately go just going to check this for tiny brush strokes in the varnish are they they're not actually because they're not aware of that they're not going to at the end of the day that. it's a painting like some brush strokes some visible exactly. brush strokes is not the end of the world no but yeah i definitely didn't want to ever use that i um i don't to go again that also went in the bin all right so my next one so usually i've used a uh, gloss varnish because i really like how it usually makes the colors look a little bit deeper. Um, But I started working with the new gallery and they were saying that they actually prefer a matte varnish and they had really good reasons for that. And I was like, I hadn't thought about that. Like actually to photograph works and the Mm. sheen is not quite as distracting. So, you know, often when you look at a painting that's quite high gloss, you you can't see parts of it, especially when they've got studio lights shining on it. Yeah, that's why I don't – yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, no, you go. Oh, that yeah. I was just gonna say that's kind of why I've settled with satin yeah. as a kind of happy medium. I love gloss because I do think, you're, like you're right, it really does um, make the colours pop a bit more. Yeah. Um, and matte seems to dull them a bit, so satin is that kind of happy medium between the two. Yeah. Um, it is harder to photograph when it's got gloss. So I did a bunch of research, um, found a matte wax varnish I quite liked the sound of, and I also quite like that when uh, once a matte wax varnish is set, you can actually buff it up to the level of sheen that you want, so you can buff it up to a satin finish. Mm-hmm. But I didn't actually check, and I still, I don't know if it's available online, the information. The one that I used, they don't recommend using it unless it's like over 23 degrees, mm. It's like two days a year in Dunedin. <laughs> because it's like it's quite solid and so you've got to heat it and then if you if you want to brush it on and then like if it's quite cold outside while you're brushing it on it kind of sets quite (gasps) quickly oh my gosh and so because I trialed it on a small piece it didn't really matter but then when I went to go do like quite a big painting it the wax kept so you did trial it I trialed it on a small piece but like a small piece (laughs) I could brush on the whole thing yeah yeah, oh. yeah. So then you went for the big piece. Went, what happened? So what happened? It's like the wax was setting as I was brushing it on, and so it was a little bit on it. So you know, out came the solvent. Back we go again. Oh no! Um, <laughs> it's alright. I just learned to do it. I I only varnish now if I'm using the matte wax varnish on it when I can heat up the whole studio. So I've got a wax, a cold wax medium. Yeah. That you can use as a varnish, and that you can apply like with a cloth. Yeah. It, it's not. Have you tried that? Yeah, I just find with a cloth. Oh, look, I've done, I've, I've changed how I do things since. So A, I do a few coats before I do the varnish now. So I actually do an isolation coat and then I do a coat of retouch varnish and then I right. do the matte wax. So if I if I actually use a cloth and wipe it on, it actually mm. leaves a nice coated finish. And then I've also yeah. found another, a liquid form of a, matte varnish that I quite like, a Gamvar one. And that's yeah. much easier and doesn't require like heating and like five different steps. <laughs> no. So can I ask what do you use for an isolation coat with a cuz you use oils for your painting so yeah. it must it's different from me. So what do you use as an I isolation use, coat? I use so there's a brand called Language which I really love. They have a a product called Isolating Medium. And I actually do use a tiny, like maybe 10% of solvent with mine just so that it it dries a little bit quicker and it's a bit easier to work with. Because it's quite, mm-hmm. can be quite sticky, isolating medium. Okay. Oh, so you have got your 
got your system down pat now. No, it's taken me a while, but yeah, I like it. It, you know, you you, you trial, you fail, you <laughs> build another step in the system. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. So I'm like fairly new to oil painting. Um, I it's not it's not something that I have had formal training in. I've mainly just been reading and learning from you, Julie. Very kindly answer my questions when I have them. Uh, or reading books and watching, you know, YouTube tutorials and things like that. So I'm kind of you know, learning as I go. So I did a painting a while ago now where I don't think I quite let it cure fully. And so I'm just getting used to the difference between acrylic paint and um, oil paint as far as drying times. Because acrylic is kind of plastic, basically, and that dries very quickly and that is you know one of the benefits of acrylic if that's the thing that you're after um and then within about 72 hours it's pretty much cured and you can go and varnish it but with oil paint it works on an evaporation process is that right julie yeah it does and it like oil paintings dry at different anyway i can go into this later tell your story and i'll yeah yeah all right so it Oil paintings take longer to dry, uh, especially, you know, different, you know, thicknesses of the oil paint. This one only had um, one layer of oil paint. It was like a a la prima piece that I did. So it wasn't um, terribly thick oil paint, but I still probably didn't leave it quite long enough. And when I thought it was touched dry, you know, I did the tap it test. (laughs) (laughs) tapped it <laughs> no i i thought it was pretty much dry and i thought I'll, I'll be fine i'll varnish this and it'll be super and i did that and then it kind of dried the varnish was kind of patchy the next day or the next couple of days later when i checked it kind of had like a kind of patchy effect so it did didn't and this was a gloss varnish that i used so i was expecting it to look gloss and there were a few areas where it still looked a bit matte so I went in again with another layer of varnish thinking, well, perhaps I didn't mix it properly or I don't mm. know, something. Went in with another layer of gloss varnish, left it a good couple of days, went back, still quite patchy. And I think that's when I reached out to you and was like, I don't know what to do. What do I do? And you were like, get the turps out <laughs> and wipe it off. So I did do that. And I was really worried, like, oh, I'm going to ruin the painting. But it didn't. I was really surprised. It just literally took the varnish off Um, and I think I wasn't vigorous I didn't rub in a kind of (laughs) scrubby manner I really was like so panicky like I dabbed it I was dabbing Um, and then you know that did remove all the varnish and then um, I think you suggested to just wipe it over with like turps and just leave it to kind of evaporate or whatever and then I left it for another I think at least two or three weeks before going back in and varnishing it again and this time it was fine and it looked glossy and finished and <laughs> i have to um find and share one of my favorite instagram artists lorraine lutz has got oh, yeah. a video somewhere of her she'd finished this beautiful tiny painting of an eye yeah and instead of getting the varnish she got the solvent <gasps> and you can hear it in the video the bit where she sort of starts swearing because she realizes what she's done and she's wiped away and she ruined her painting and she was filming the process for an Instagram reel. 
Oh, this is what happens when we're just doing and stuff I, for bloody... She's one of my favourites and I thought, God, if she can fuck up, makes me feel a little bit better about me. Fucking oh, we'll have time. to try and share that on our story. I'll find we? it. So I've got, like, talking of other artists, I thought I would mention here an artist called Samantha Dennison. Do you know her? No, I'm She's a beautiful a Australian... I'm, you probably recognise her if I share. We'll put her in the show notes anyway. Uh, she's an Australian artist, does beautiful still life paintings. Now, she has a, a really great... Um, Frequently Asked Questions page on oh, her website. Oh, I do know her. Sorry, yes, sorry, continue. <laughs> That's fine. I love that. Got a bit excited there. Um, I do know something, yay. Um, she has, she talked about, and I can't remember whether she talked about it in, on her Instagram or whether I heard it in a podcast or where I heard it from, to be honest. But she talks about a technique that she uses called oiling out. Yeah. And she has that all kind of written in her... Um, it on her Instagram. Do you know what oiling out is? Yeah. Do you want to explain it or shall I go? So oiling out, what, what is the purpose of that? So the purpose of oiling out is to make sure you don't have any dull spots. So depending on the paint you've used and the medium you've used, your oil paint will absorb different layers, like different levels of shininess and, and dullness. And I'm sure, like, don't please, guys, trust but verify. Yeah. I'm not a disclaimer expert in yeah so definitely you know go and research on gambling or language or any of the other wonderful online mediums so this is just how I do it so it doesn't necessarily mean to be how you would do it so I just had to put that in there in case just in case you know I tend to use a very quick drying medium when I'm oiling out and I don't like to rub mine I just it's something that I I think because I've stuffed up so many paintings while varnishing by rubbing too vigorously that yeah, I prefer yeah. to use a really soft brush but I do always right. oil out now and then I also put isolating medium because sometimes I find that mediums depending on what you use and because I'm using a resin based medium a lot of the time for your oiling for out, oiling for out your... yeah I find that there still can be patches where for whatever reason whether it's the paint underneath or how many different layers I've used you can still get patches that are duller than others so I do both mm. I oil out with a medium and then I do an isolation layer then I do a retouch varnish and then if I'm doing matte varnish I do matte varnish over the top which is probably excessive okay, but for so me yeah, it's sort of just the process does that sound similar to the process with acrylic paint that I have read about and done sometimes. So, yeah, I, so when I was doing my abstract landscape work, um, I was doing quite a bit of mixed media. Um, so I hadn't really realised at that stage the kind of importance of an isolation coat if you're going to if you're going to use mixed media. I hadn't actually I didn't even know what that was to be honest. Um, and I had been using, you know, several different sorts of uh, media, basically, yeah. with acrylic paint and all sorts, like ink and other types of acrylic. And, and this particular painting had sold. And I, ne I tend to not varnish my paintings until they've sold, if they're stored, just in case I decide to go back and work on them or whatever. Um, so this painting sold. And then I just got my varnish out and started painting the, well, applying. You don't paint the varnish, do you? applying the varnish all over it and then I noticed that this white was like kind of bleeding oh, that's and the fuzzing worst. into the other that. paint and I just was like what is going on like why is this happening oh and so I had to kind of get like yeah just try and dab it off and then touch it up and yeah it was salvageable and the nature of the painting meant that it didn't really noticed but I knew if you know what I mean yeah 
Like, um, yeah, so that was really annoying and, and it was just a panicky, horrible, sicky feeling in your stomach when you can just see something happening and you're like, uh, I want to go back in time and not do that. Um, That's horrible. So, yeah, from that point on with um, mixed media pieces in particular, I would use um, I would use a, like a spray varnish first, like a spray. Like um, a fixative almost. Yeah, like a, yeah, so I would spray with like a, a Kmar varnish or layer type thing because even doing, so when I do paintings now, I, I do often use a an isolation coat called GAC 100, which is like a, um, it's a layer that kind of means that you can remove the varnish and it won't remove the paint when you if you did want to remove the varnish ever um and it kind of also levels flattens out the painting a bit and stuff um but to you still have to brush that on so if you're using mixed media the spray ver- varnish first i like because it there's no you don't t- you're not touching anything so that just sort of like it kind of seals all of the mixed media brush stroke you know or detail or whatever and then you can go in with a brush on varnish and you're not um disturbing any of the the mixed media so yeah um that was that was one um what was the other one oh i've definitely done the old classic and when i haven't sh- given the varnish i haven't shaken the varnish enough um and if you're using like a satin or a matte varnish um that actually is just gloss varnish with like a product added which mattifies the gloss so it's um it it just ever so slightly sort of opaque what's the word like dulls i suppose the um the glossiness yeah it opens up the surface of the varnish so that it doesn't reflect as much light and it's not as glossy yes there you go that's the technical (laughs) answer from the expert over there um and if you don't shake it properly then you know, you're just pouring on the gloss. So then I, I tend to work with mainly um, satin varnish. I used to only use matte varnish for quite a while. And then I kind of felt that, that um, oh, I just prefer now a little bit of a sheen. So, yeah, I've, I've done that before where I pour the varnish over and then can't work out why it seems a bit glossy in patches. As a, and you know, it's not mm. very even. And it's because I haven't given the varnish a proper shake. So that's important. One of the other questions that I had was what's the difference between using a permanent varnish and a retouch varnish and why would you? Right. Um, and so it, and this is different for every different varnish that's out there. So definitely yeah. look up what the brand that you're using, what they recommend. But most varnishes that are permanent varnishes, it's recommended, I mean, for oil paints especially, I don't know, for acrylics, I'd say it'd be different because of the different drying times. It's Mm. recommended that you don't put on a a final varnish until the painting has been dry for three to six months, depending on how thick or thin your paint has been. Right, that's Um, a long time. Whereas a retouch varnish is a varnish that you can generally put on once the painting is dry. So usually that might be, depending on how thick your paint is, might be a couple of days, might be a week, might be a month. Like it depends. Right. And it's removable. And then you've got, I know there are other varnishes like 
Gamblin has made theirs um, especially so that it can be removed and your painting can be restored if need be. So they've worked really closely with conservation technicians. So mm. I think theirs it would technically be classed as a retouch varnish, but it's just right. you know labelled Gamva. Right, that's the one I quite like. Yeah, yeah. I tend to always yeah. either use a retouch varnish or your Gamblin varnish varnishes, just because I'm not going to wait six months to varnish a painting. Like it's just yeah. I mean, with acrylic paint, I think. 72 hours after you've painted. I mean, you can even probably put a varnish on it after 24 hours. I tend to try and wait, you know, three days for it to kind of fully kind of cure. You know, I do know that there are people out there that I've read about that, you know, are quite prolific um, artists that sell quite a bit of work that don't varnish their paintings at all. I've heard that too, especially with acrylic paint. I've heard that if you're using a good good, yeah. a good brand of acrylic paint, there's no need to, to varnish it, which is interesting. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, especially if you're creating a piece of work, I mean, you have to ask yourself, like, is this, is the varnish going to add or subtract from the finish of this piece? Because, you know, if you were going to use, say, some areas of quite glossy paint and then some areas of matte, um, you can get like flat matte paint, um, acrylic gouache and things now, which... They look, it looks really lovely. It's a really matte finish. Um, you know, you, you actually create quite a, quite a different sort of painting, but with just the different sheens of paint on there. That's such a lovely And that could be quite idea. a deliberate, you know, that could be quite a deliberate thing where your background was very, I don't know, matte and the subject matter was in quite high sheen. And if you were to put a unifying varnish all over that you've there's an element that you've kind of lost you know so yeah it's just worth bearing in mind that you, there are people out there selling work who don't varnish purely for aesthetic reasons or they make they're a mixed media artist and they don't want to disturb all the different sort of layers that they've done and whether or not you need to make that piece archival and be something that's going to be around in 300 years time <laughs> It's kind of, you know. I certainly know of some quite well-known oil painters as well that don't varnish. They only put they put a layer of um, liquid or number for fatty medium on top, um, which wouldn't be your standard method of varnishing. Mm -hmm. So again, I'd yeah. say you know do what works for you. Like what yeah. everyone else says or does isn't necessarily what's going to be what works for your art and your process. Yeah, especially exactly. if you're trying to stay away from fumes, it's really, really difficult to find any sort of varnishing options that are non-toxic or low-toxic even. So yeah. not impossible, but just quite difficult. No. The Liquitex ones do seem to be quite low odour. Pour or brush? Now, yeah, what's your preferred method? If I'm doing a smaller-ish, under sort of 60 centimetre paintings, I quite like to pour it, pour a bit on and then do that section and then pour a bit more on and do that section. Oh, I'm... That has not served me well in the past when I've used less good varnish and that has then dried, you know, and left a kind of horrible, like a tea ring, you know, like a teacup stain ring, but like on, <sighs> you know, because you've done one section and then as you move to where you've poured it, but it's like a hot day or something and it's kind of already start to dry and then you get so that's not the best way I don't think 
even though I do still do it. I see plenty of people pouring, but personally I've always brushed. So I always put the varnish I'm going to use into a separate container and then brush out of there. Yeah, and that is more sensible. Even today when I was doing the pouring method, I was thinking this feels risky, but I can't be bothered to go and get the container. <laughs> do you know what it is, though? It's because I've found it's in the past, I'm lazy. this is another fail no. that I forgot to mention, another one. Um, if if I put varnish on too thickly in the past and then it feels tacky and then I've always found that I've had to wipe that back completely and start again. So in order to avoid that whole doing it twice process because you stuffed yeah. it up the first time. It definitely it definitely doesn't lend itself well on a big piece. Yeah, in no. that way. This is from Ian Versace, artist. I'm about to varnish three 12 foot square panels. 12 foot? It's 12 foot. 12 foot. It's 12 foot in centimetres. It seems like a lot. That Well, six foot is a man. Oh, wow. It's two men. <laughs> <laughs> I don't measure in feet. I measure in men. It's a tall man. There's <laughs> two tall men standing on the 3.65 metres. Yeah, that's big. Ian underscore Versace underscore artist. I'm about to varnish three 12 foot square panels. Painted with watercolour on board. Any tips? Don't. <laughs> no, um, I'm not a watercolour expert at all. Yeah, neither. And neither are you. I think anything that bit, I'd be looking into a spray and I'd be... Yeah, oh, 100%. I'm going spray or... I don't even know. Spray or take it to some kind of... I've seen um, uh, Marco Grassi, I think his name is. I sent him to you the other day. Um, he does the most amazing oh, large-scale yeah, that really, oil paintings. With the, with the face. Yes. And I was like, that's so amazing. And then you zoomed out and that was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, his work is insane. My my mind actually kind of imploded and I wanted to throw everything I owned that was art-related away and just... His work is amazing. But I'm pretty sure I've seen in his Instagram stories that he gets his spray varnished in like a huge booth somewhere. Yeah. I don't know the ins and outs or the technical of what he's doing, but... um, Do you know what I would do? I would just get a really big piece of watercolour paper slap some watercolour paints on it in any old higgledy-piggledy way and then I would go and buy three or four different types of varnish and then I'd masking tape like four sections four strips or something on on the painting and then I'd varnish with the spray and just see what the finish looks like or even do four separate paint. You know, you have to, if you're going to do it that big, you have Test to practice it. that. Yeah, and how far away you want to stand with the spray or all oh, that. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, have fun with that. Let us know how it turned out. Yeah, I would reach out. There must be um, there must be some, you know, watercolour communities out there, like on Facebook or Instagram or even to, to a website, yeah. you know, like um, Daniel Smith Watercolours. They're a very well-known manufacturer of watercolour. You know, look on their website. Reach out to the um, varnishing brands, actually. Yeah, reach out to a varnishing brand. Ask for tips on what to do because with spray varnish, you do you do need to kind of keep it very even. You need to keep the spraying, you know, the the speed that you're moving the can even, and the depth distance from the painting even. And it's a it's a quite a skill, you know, that you can't just sort of do without practicing. I was actually interested earlier to hear that you don't varnish a piece until after it's sold. See, that would give me the heebie-jeebies. Mm. See, I've got to varnish it and then I declare it as done. 
Unless it's a commission, like where I think maybe they might want me to go back in and fix something or change something slightly. I think it's just because I don't terribly enjoy that process and it's a bit boring. So put it off. (laughs) (laughs) I've got quite a good storage area, so I just put my paintings in there and just think, well, what's going to happen to them? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I think, well, maybe I'll want to change it or paint over it if it doesn't sell in a year or something. See, I think that's probably where we're. Different. You set, you know, because I'm like I'm done. Sells. Well, no, no, it's not yours. That's not, not what I meant in terms of where we're different. Yeah. I'm like that's I, where we're different because my work's not sitting around a year's time, mate. You know what I mean? Yours is yours is gathering cobwebs. Mine's well on its way. You know that's not what I meant. <laughs> I I that's it. Right here. Um. No, no. What I meant <laughs> was, um, I once I think I'm finished, I want to move on, and so I varnish it, and then I'm like, it's done. I can't touch it anymore. It's mm. been varnished. I don't think I've got that confidence yet of thinking it's done. Was there anything else, or do you reckon we can? Um, I think that's wrap it. I think up. Maybe I should read a read a funny fail. Oh yes, we need a funny fail. <laughs> Somebody said. The only thing that comes to mind is a painting I did of some rocks in a stream. I was pleased with the painting until I noticed that two of the larger rocks came together to look like buttocks, (laughs) complete with a dimple. I tried repainting the rocks. It looks better, but all I can see is a butt and I can't unsee it. (laughs) I've had that happen with some of my cloud paintings, so I can often like see images in them like you would in a... A cloud yeah. and there was one that I could always so I remember sitting there with a bunch of friends and we were all talking about what we saw in it oh and no awful don't do that. a lot of them were cute like a lot of them were like teddy bears and but all I could see was boobs oh dear that's right boobs yeah I I've had that with an abstract painting that I put up and it wasn't finished and I was but you know I, I you know it wasn't far off and then someone said oh that middle bit looks like a dinosaur. Can you see what the the bit between this bit and this bit? And then I looked at it and I was like, I can't unsee the dinosaur. <laughs> uh, had to actually repaint that entire area because every time I looked at it, I just saw a dinosaur. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that just about wraps it up for this episode. What do you think, Julie? Yeah, I think we're done. It's um, We're recording quite late tonight and I think we both need to go and have a drink and go to bed. Thanks for listening. Please do take a screenshot, share it in your stories, tag us at fail like an artist. You can follow along um, on Instagram at fail like an artist. Where else can you find us, Julie? Uh, it'd be really great if you could actually write us a review, a nice one. It's like one of the best mm-hmm. ways of the podcast being found by other people. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen so that you don't miss an episode because we will be back next week. Awesome. Um, where can we find you, Julie, online? You can find me at Julia Battisti on Facebook and Instagram and on my website, juliebattisti.com. And you can find Phoebe. <laughs> really have to hold back so from tired. saying dub, dub, dub. You can find me asleep in my bed because <laughs> I'm tired. You can find me on Instagram at Phoebe Gander Art. And on my website at phoebegander.com. I kept them different just for fun, <laughs> just to make it difficult. Um, uh, I think that's about it from us. I'll see you next time, Julie. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Keep failing. Bye-bye. <laughs>
and you haven't. I do. I just, my brain is a total <gasps> mashed potato. It is. It's just up there. You make like... something up. <laughs> <laughs> that was his one time. <laughs> Wrap it up. Wrap <laughs> If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.